It's fall in the Carolinas, and that's what we're celebrating here on the Carolina Outdoors. Now, if you have not been outdoors, maybe this program will be your conduit to heading outside. Bill Barty on this side of your radio dial and right over there. Wes Lawson. You know, Bill, fall is a great time. It's so great to be outside of that cool, crisp air. You get those good stars up until really not even early morning, almost time to go to school and come to work. But you also get the leaf change. Well, that's right. And along with that, I know that uh, much of the leaf change is decided by temperatures and the amount of sunlight that Mm -hmm. those leaves are getting. Now, I also know that there are things like those late summer storms that we had, um, especially in the western part of North Carolina. That's right. That came through in the late summer, and we've had unseasonably warm temperatures really up to this weekend. Now's when they're really starting to break. You know, I've always wondered what causes some of this. Why are some trees more vibrant than others? Why are some years better than others? Bill, it's almost as if we need an expert to help us with this. (laughs) I'm glad you said that. And that's what we're going to bring on to the Carolina Outdoors right now. She's known as the fall foliage forecaster, and she's going to explain the biological process of leaves changing colors. Let's bring on Western Carolina University's biology professor, Dr. Beverly Collins. Dr. Collins, welcome to the Carolina Outdoors. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Well, how are we doing thus far? Um, uh, Temperatures warmer, late summer storms that came through really from the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, Since the summer solstice back in June, we've had shorter days, so limited amounts of sunlight. Is that what's causing all the the leaf change to be maybe a little bit delayed as compared to last year even? Yes, it is a little bit delayed this year. Um, Even compared to last year, here in western North Carolina, we're just now seeing the beginning of good color. Um, Many of our leaves are still green, especially down at the lower elevations. And so we're waiting for the weather to turn colder this weekend, which we're hoping will bring on that bright fall colors that we want to see. And so speaking of those bright fall colors, what determines the leaf color from species to species? How do we how do we learn that? Well, there are, uh, the color is species specific and it's related to the pigments that are in the leaves. And so you all know that leaves are green because there's chlorophyll, which it, it, which we see as green. But there are other pigments in the leaves that are yellow and orange. And around fall, the leaves start, some species start making a red pigment, which we also see in the fall. And so the particular mix of those pigments or colors that the plant has are responsible for the fall color of its leaves. So, for example, red maples have a lot of the red pigments, and so when the chlorophyll fades out of those leaves, we see them as red or orangey-red, whereas uh, some oaks and hickories have more of the yellows or a mixed, different mixture of uh, pigment, so we see those leaves as more yellow and brown. 
Wow. Okay. Had no idea. Um, so I always wondered why some of those trees had the had the color tied in there because when I look at them in the spring and summer, I can't tell the difference. So I learned something today, Bill. <laughs> and Dr. Collins, not all of us have the uh, um, treat of having an office in Cullowee, North Carolina. <laughs> um, and in fact, your audience now is anywhere up and down the eastern seaboard, if they're listening to us via the airwaves of WBT Radio. Many others around the country and world, even, are listening to us via podcast. But paint us a picture of what you are seeing up in western North Carolina, in Cullowee, in the high country. And then will you give us a lay of the land of what you expect, the uh, prognosis for the future leaf change down the mountains and into the Piedmont will be? Sure. Here in here in western North Carolina, right around Cullowee, we're still seeing a lot of green in our leaves, but they're beginning to turn colors, especially the species that turn really early, like the walnuts and um, some of those species. So we're beginning to see that color. And this weekend, I think, will be a nice mix of colors here in western North Carolina. Now, that's especially true as you go up in elevation. So if you are at higher elevations, uh, if you were driving around in our higher peaks here in western North Carolina, you might see the colors very much changed already. And this weekend might be peak color for those, those leaves. Whereas down here in the lower elevation, where we are at Cullowee, they're just beginning to turn. And so I think that probably by next week end, sometime next week or we, next weekend, we'll have bright, lots of color at, at the lower elevations. And so in general, that trend from earlier color at the higher elevations to later color at the lower elevations holds true as you go from north to south. So if you're north of us in western North Carolina or farther north, your leaves are probably already changing and may be at peak this weekend. Whereas if you are farther south than us, uh, down into South Carolina, then the leaves are probably still green and just beginning to turn and they will turn a little later probably next weekend or a little bit later as you go farther south the prognosis i think that you could actually chase fall color if you wanted to from north to south and from higher elevation to lower elevation starting this weekend and going all the way through Probably the first weekend in November. I expect we may still see some color around here the first weekend in November, which is a little later than we have seen historically. And that's why she's known as the fall foliage forecaster. It's better to chase leaf color change than it is storms. I can guarantee you that. She is Western uh, Carolina University's biology professor, Dr. Beverly Collins, on with the outdoor guys from Jesse Brown's West Lawson and Bill Barty. So, Dr. Collins, I have a question, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to phrase it properly, but so is is the vibrancy of the fall colors an indicator of a healthy ecosystem, or does, you know, did, which came came first here, the chicken and the egg? Is is the ecosystem responsible for the vibrancy or vice versa? Well, um, 
Um, the vibrancy is a matter of a couple of things. And one of them is the species that we see because, as we said before, different species have different colors and generally our reds and oranges and yellows are more vibrant than the later changing browns and uh, duller yellows. So uh, the vibrancy of the color is in part related to what trees are present. The other thing that influences how bright the colors are is, is the weather. And so when we have those bright sunny days and cold nights, the the colors are brighter because the chlorophyll fades more quickly and also the leaves are making more of this red pigment that they make. And the colors are brighter under those conditions. So both of those are related um uh, in a way to health of the ecosystems, but they're really more related to um, land use and how the forests are changing. Mm. So where we had forests that were developed on agricultural land, we get a lot of um, uh, tulip poplars, which turn early and turn yellow and uh, may not be as vibrant as some of our other species. Um, also, our forests are growing a lot more red maple than they have had in the past, and those colors are actually brighter. And so we, our for, the colors that we see in fall are really a function of how our, we have used the land um, and how our forests are growing. I mean, I'm I'm just I'm soaking all of that in. That was incredible. So, are would you say then that what we're seeing now um, is more, or is there more contrast now, or less than say half a century ago, century ago, as as we've changed how we use the land? I, I think that uh, our contrast is increasing. Hmm. Um, over what it would have been a half century ago or a century ago. But if we went back to before we cleared most of the forests here in the eastern U.S., then our colors are probably not as bright as they would have mm. been because we had a greater mixture of species. Got it. Wes Lawson, Bill Barty, we're sitting in the front of the class with these questions as we're talking to biology professor Dr. Beverly Collins. And Dr. Collins' research interests, vegetation ecology, mechanisms that drive structure, diversity, dynamics of plant communities. And in a prior conversation, Dr. Collins, I have, and I'm trying to catch up because Wes is ahead of me, we talked about our forest both aggrading and also being under attack at the same time. Is that what you yes. all are talking about? Yes, that is exactly what we're talking about. Our forests are aging, um, but they're still young forests. It takes, you know, 200 years or 400 years for a forest to become an old-growth forest. And most of our forests are about 100 years old now. And so they're still really young as forests go, um, and, but they are under attack because we have a lot more um, invasive pests 
that um, that basically attack species in our forests. And so, yes, our forests are changing for both of those reasons. From an ecological standpoint or biodiversity standpoint, what's the benefit of having an old-growth forest? I mean, I, I think some of it may be obvious, but you're the expert and we want to know. Um, there are lots of benefits for having an old-growth forest. Um, just thinking for one thing, we're all concerned now about increasing carbon dioxide in our, our atmosphere, and our old forests have, over their lifetime, captured a lot of carbon, and it's in their, the bodies of the plants and the animals that are in that forest. Also, our old forests, often are diverse and they have a they have structure that um, we love to see on the on the environment you know they have big trees and they have lots of diversity in the understory and so they are um, they are pleasing forests to us but they are also hold a lot of biodiversity so right now, Wes Lawson right there, he has on his Blundstone boots. I've got mine on. We're heading out on a fly fishing trip from Jesse Brown's. So we're going to be in the mountains. There's a whole other group listening to the program that are deer hunters and that sort of thing. What's the report on the mast this year um, that may be of concern for hunters or who are getting out like that and, and – um, the implications of the mass crop this year on the wildlife. Do you have a report you can give us on that? I can tell you that as I've been walking around the forest, there are lots of chestnut oak acorns on the ground right now. Um, they're, they're, the red oak and the white oak, the plain white oak, uh, Quercus alba, if you want the scientific name, um, are not masting so much right now. There's not so many acorns of them. But the chestnut oak acorns, which are at uh, sort of middle and a little bit higher elevations, are all over the ground right now. And so I think if you were out and about in our sort of middle middle uh, elevation forests, that that would be a good place for uh, for those uh, the, for those acorns. So we have the Blue Ridge Parkway that a lot of people historically have flocked to. You're in Cullowee. You gave us a a report uh, that even higher elevations. They're in the Western North Carolina high country. They are pretty much at peak right now. But because of your location and you're out and about, um, can you tell, is the traffic, and it's, it's okay anecdotally to tell us, but um, how has the traffic been around uh, WCU, Cullowee, and in the Western North Carolina mountains, are you seeing a whole lot more of the human variety of wildlife, whether they're just trying to be outdoors or whether they're there to try to see the leaves change as well? We are, in fact. Uh, there has been a lot of traffic this uh, for the entire summer and now especially. Uh, so, yes, I think folks are getting out, which is wonderful. And I've actually been encouraging folks, if you're, if you're out and about driving, to drive some of our two-lane roads, um, the ones that, uh, you know, reach into some of the elevations so that you'll get a good um, 
survey of the different colors and the different times that the, the trees are changing. But, yes, we are seeing a lot of folks out. Well, so everybody remember their driving etiquette, whether they're, whether you are looking at leaves or uh, searching for wildlife, no matter what, uh, mind your manners, be safe. And Dr. Beverly Collins, thank you as always for coming on and, and giving us your fall foliage forecast. Here we are in mid-October, but you, you kind of gave us some insight that we're going to get to enjoy this depending on where we are. Um, north, south, east, west for the next two to three weeks. Yes, depending, of course, also on whether any more big storms come through. Oh, yeah, and that'll be a whole nother to- topic for us on the Carolina Outdoors. <laughs> Dr. Collins, your email, collinsb at email.wcu.edu. Thank you so much for spending time with the outdoor guys from Jesse Brown's here on the Carolina Outdoors. You're welcome. And off she goes, and off we go. He's Wes Lawson. I'm Bill Barty. We're the outdoor guys from the Carolina Outdoors.